as we jump into our message today, I'd like to play a little game with us, a game called uh, True or False. The rules for this are simple. Okay, Here, here's the rules, very simple rules. I'm going to read a statement, and you have to guess whether it is true or false. Okay, true or false. We're going to play this game together. Number one, number one, here's a statement. The Bible is the most shoplifted book in the world. True or false? False? You're all wrong. It's true. The Bible is the most well-published book throughout the entire world, and it is also the most shoplifted Bible. Thank you, Gideons, that put them in all the hotels. There we go. Number two, second statement. A kiss lasting more than a minute burns 30, 50 calories. True or false? I know you gentlemen are like, please, please. False. False. What, leads to that, what that kiss leads to may burn some calories, but that is a false statement. Number three, number three, a cat has 32 muscles in its ear. The answer is, who gives a rap? Like, really, who gives a rip? Do we care? No, we don't. (laughs) Hey, uh, we are in this series that we started this year out called The Good Life. And trying to deal with, with decisions and choices and resolutions that we make in order to see more of the good life in this upcoming year. It's been a good conversation. Um, and as we've been in this conversation, focusing on the good life, the idea every time is, as we think about the good life, the good life comes from God. And so we need to have these conversations and invite God's word, invite God's truth, invite God's wisdom and God's plans into our plans for 2020. And if we want to see the good life, it is when we are rooted in what God has for us. And so today, the topic that we're going to talk look at is we're going to deal with this idea that if we're going to pursue the good life, then we have to pursue, we have to choose God's truth over our opinions. That if we want to see the good life this year, we have to choose God's truth over our own opinions. And so the passage that we looked at this morning uh, that Michelle read for us in John chapter 18, now Jesus has been arrested. Jesus is on trial. And so Pilate, who's the governor, he's got Jesus there and he's like, this guy doesn't deserve to die. But the crowds chant, crucify him. We want him to die. And so Pilate's trying to figure out what to do. So he's kind of doing this, this dialogue with, with Jesus. And, and Pilate says in verse 37, Pilate says, Jesus, are you a king? Are you a king? Jesus answers and says, well, you say that I am. You say that I'm a king. And then Jesus says, for this purpose I was born. This is why I came into the world. This is his purpose. He says, I came to bear witness to the truth. And you see this connection between Jesus and truth. And Jesus says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And here's the big question. Because here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, my purpose is I came to bear witness to the truth. And here's Pilate's big question. Pilate asks, what is truth? What is truth? And isn't that the question that humanity has wrestled with for centuries? What is truth? I mean, how would you answer that? If Pilate asked you, what is truth? How would you answer that? It's an important way for us to process through and begin to think. And here's here's why this question is so significant. Here's why it's so important. Because, Because what you believe determines how you behave. That what you believe to be true determines how you behave. This plays out in all sorts of ways. What you believe to be true determines how you behave relationally. What you believe determines how you behave financially. 
What you believe determines how you behave morally. What you believe impacts how you behave spiritually. Let me give you a little bit of an example uh, of what this looks like. One day, uh, I remember I was coming home from work, and uh, I hadn't seen the kids in a while, and I'm like, man, I'm going to have some fun with the kids. So I get home, and I go to the bathroom, and I use my angry dad voice. You know, your dads, you have that, kids, get up here! And I call the kids in the bathroom, and I point to the toilet seat. Kids are like, what is that? And there's these three logs on the toilet seat, just like logs on the toilet seat. And I'm like, kids, who did this? And of course, the kids are like, not me, not me. All the kids, not me. And I'm like, so the, I'm trying to, I'm, again, I've got that angry dad voice. Who's lying to me? Who did this? And I pick up the logs and I wipe it on their cheeks. And the kids are screwed. They're dead. And they're running around and I've got these and I'm chasing them. And the kids are, dad, what are you doing? And I'm just laughing. I'm just laughing because it turns out if you take Tootsie Rolls and put some water in them, Man, they look pretty gross. They look pretty bad. See, what you believe determines how you behave. Right? And as we have these conversations about the good life, I think that's why the question that Pilate asked is so important. What is truth? What is truth? Do you and I, do we get to determine what the truth is? Is there a truth? H- how do we know the truth? Maybe, maybe it's, what truth should I allow my life to be directed by? What is truth? In fact, we live in this day and age where everybody has a truth, right? And thanks to the power of social media and the internet, everybody is able to broadcast that truth to everyone else. In fact, I read this this week. I read that Chip and Joanna Gaines... They're going to install shiplap on the border wall. Like, it's truth. I read it on the internet, right? And see, what happens is most of us, we feel like we're pretty smart. We feel like we're, we're bright. In fact, I would say every one of us, in our own mind, we believe that we think that we see life right, and everybody else is just a little bit off, right? Man, if everybody would just get in line with the way I see the world, everything would be just right. And so that's what we do. We go through life and we, we, we look at what's happening around us and we interpret the information based on our own understanding. And we form an opinion and we decide what we believe to be true and what we believe to be not true. We, believe, we, we decide in ourselves what is relevant and what is unrelevant to us. And ultimately, what we believe determines how we behave. And that's where the question is, who are we supposed to trust? Are we supposed to trust God and what he wants? Or do we get to trust our own opinions? So what I want to do is I want to take you on a little journey. I want you to, to follow along with this little journey as we wrestle with this idea on, on what is truth. Who do I listen to? Do I listen to some other truth from, 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 from a book that was written thousands of years ago? Or do I follow my opinions? Again, Let's just think back to what Jesus said. Jesus said, my purpose, my purpose, I came to bear witness to the truth. That's why Jesus, Jesus says it's I'm about truth. But I also know that we have an enemy who exists, who is totally opposed to the truth. In fact, in John chapter 8, 
John, Jesus is speaking about the devil. He's speaking about Satan. And this is what Jesus says about Satan. He says he was a murderer from the beginning and he does not stand in the truth. He says there is no truth at all whatsoever in him. That when Satan lies, he speaks out of his character for he's a liar and the father of lies. So you have this stage set where Jesus, Jesus came to testify of the truth and here's Satan who's the father of lies. Now, let me just say this. Satan is not an idiot. Okay, you think about little kids, and little kids, you know, they've got chocolate over their, all over their face. Hide and eat the chocolate. Satan is not like a little child. He's not going to tell us a lie that we know is blatantly not accurate. He doesn't give us an outrageous thing that's too crazy to believe. What, Jesus, what Satan does, Satan is a counterfeiter. Okay, Satan is a, is a counterfeiter. So he takes things that look true. He takes things that, that, that feel true, that sound true, but that aren't true in themselves. And he presents those things as truth. I mean, this is what Satan has done from the beginning of time. In Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, we have the story of, of Adam and Eve and their place in the garden. Remember, what was the one rule that God gave Adam and Eve in the garden? You can have Anything. The garden is yours, but there's one tree that you're not to eat of. Okay? And in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent shows up. And what does the serpent serpent say? Serpent shows up and says, did God really say not to eat of that tree? He takes it a little further and says, God really didn't mean that you would die. God knows that when you eat of that tree, that you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. From the very beginning when we see Satan come on the scene, he's presenting a lie. And that first man and woman, Adam and Eve, in that moment they rejected the truth of God to believe the lies of Satan. And from that moment on, listen, our hearts have been tainted By this sin nature. Our hearts have been tainted by evil. Our hearts have been tainted where we are prone to believe Satan's lies and reject God's truth. And that has afflicted every human being since that time, since Adam and Eve. All those many years ago. Now because of that original sin, because they chose to believe the lie rather than trust the truth. Man, that is a result of the sin nature in us that we continue wrestling with that same struggle where we reject the truth and believe the lie. Romans chapter 1, it elaborates on that. Romans chapter 1, it says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness, he's talking to us, this is us, who by their unrighteousness, what do we do? We suppress the truth. That we, because of that sin nature, we suppress the truth. And then look at this, verse 22. uh, It says that we claim to be wise. Isn't that what we do in our day and age? We claim to be wise. You know, in our generation, we're more enlightened than, than those other generations, right? Like, we understand things better than our parents and the generations before us did. Like, we've evolved. Like, we've progressed beyond where they were. We say today, life is different than it was back then. So we claim to be wise. He says, claiming to be wise, they became fools. Verse 25, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. That is what human nature has become. 
as a result of the fall. That God says, here's the truth. Here's the truth, and it will set you free. But we choose to reject the truth. We choose to reject the truth and exchange the truth about God for a lie. I think that's Satan's goal for us. Is that we would reject the truth and believe the lie. And I think in our day and age, I think Satan has a couple of weapons that he uses really good against our culture and against our society. I think his weapons are relativism and subjectivism. They're related to one another. Relativism. Maybe you're familiar with this term. Relativism is the assumption that there is no absolute or constant truth. Relativism, it says that there's no absolute or constant truth that is true for everybody. It started by a German philosopher by the name of Hegel. And what he said is that when thesis uh, meets an antithesis, the result is synthesis. I know there's a lot of sisses in, in there. So let me just break that down for you a little bit. When you've got something you hold as a truth, you've got this thing that you hold as truth, right? And you come across an opposing view, an opposing opinion that someone else holds as truth. You've got these two opposing things. When those things come together, it results in a new truth. It results in a new truth. And so there's this idea that if you believe in relativism, that truth is constantly evolving. Truth, truth is constantly changing. It's never constant. It, what, what is true yesterday may not be true today. And so you have this idea that truth is relative. It's always changing. That's relativism. The second one is subjectivism. And this is a belief that you and I, we are the subject. We're the subjects. And we have the right to determine what is right or wrong. That we don't have to submit our thoughts and our opinions and our judgments to some outside of authority outside of ourselves. That we ourselves get to determine what is right, what is true, what is, what, what is... There's this idea that since there's no absolute truth, that nobody can impose their beliefs on me. This idea that I am the source of truth. I determine whether my action is right or wrong based on how I feel. And so truth is subjective to how I feel and the way I see it. And this is where we get all these mantras of our society. Our society says, if it feels good, man, it must be true, right? Because it's subjective. Our, our society says, as long as it makes you happy, that's all that matters. Because it's subjective. Well, as long as you're sincere, it doesn't matter what you believe because, again, it's subjective. It's based on how I feel. As long as I don't hurt anybody, it doesn't matter what I do because truth is subjective because it's based on how I feel and how I interpret it. See how this plays out? See what Satan tries to do to begin to take us away from the truth of God and exchange it for a lie? So, really, if, if truth is relative... If there is no absolute truth, if truth is based on feeling, man, I'm, I'm going to take the opportunity. I'm, I'm going to speak some truth right now. I'm going to speak some truth right now. Here's truth. Dogs are better than cats. Amen. It's truth. I just said it. It's how I feel. Cats are dumb. Cats are dumb. I'm sorry, cat people. It's truth. It's, 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 it's how I feel. Vanilla ice cream is boring. Vanilla ice cream is terrible. Chocolate is so much better. It's truth. It's subjective. It's how I feel. Seahawks, they're the best football team. Now, that is truth. That's not subjective. That is just true, and I, I don't mind saying that. But you see how this idea, 
If truth is however I feel, then what does that mean spiritually? How does that relate to our spiritual lives? Where we might say, well, sure, I know that the Bible says that marriage is between a man and a woman. But, you know, we've evolved. We're in a new generation. So we can sleep with whoever we want. It doesn't really matter. Well, I know, I know the Bible says not to be drunk, but I just, I like how it feels. It helps me forget the things that I, I hurt and I feel. So it's okay. Well, yeah, I know the Bible talks about being honest and hardworking, but you know what? Nobody's going to notice me exaggerating on my time cards. And, you know, I really, I need the money. And so, you know, it's just relative. It's okay that I cheat a little bit. Subjective, right? We get to choose what is truth and what isn't. Let me ask you this question, though. What happens, what happens when your truth is contrary to someone else's truth? What happens when your truth is contrary to someone else's truth? So what happens when somebody walks into your house and they punch you in the face and they take your wallet? Well, you would say, well, my perspective is you can't do that. My, my perspective is, you can't do that. But I would say, my perspective is, absolutely, why can't they? It makes them feel good. They feel like it's right. right. And so what are you going to do when your truth is opposite somebody else's truth? See, we are so quick to deny a truth when it benefits us. But then we're going to be quick to appeal to that same truth when, uh, when, when truth benefits us as well. Right? And why is that? Did you hear that? We are quick to deny the truth when it benefits us, but then we're quick to appeal to that same truth when it does benefit us. Did you hear the key to both of those statements? When it benefits who? When it benefits me. See, this is where I would say, like, you guys, like, you guys are all smart and intelligent people. I I believe that. But here's the problem. We have this sin nature inside of us. That makes us bent on selfishness. That makes us bent to please ourselves. And we have an enemy, and I understand this, we have an enemy who wants to help us exchange the truth of God for a lie. This is why I always want to remind myself, and I want to remind us of a church, that Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is desperately wicked. Who could know it? Our hearts are wicked. They're bent on sin and rebellion and selfishness. And it is it just, maybe it's possible. Maybe it's just possible that you and I, we view, we view life through a specific set of lenses. That we view life through a lens that pleases ourselves. That sets ourselves and says, man, I'm going to believe this because it benefits me. And because I like it. Because I like how it makes me feel. Because this is the way I want to see it. Maybe just perhaps we may not be the most neutral people to decide what truth is. Maybe that because we have this bent on selfishness and ourselves, maybe we aren't the best person to decide what truth is. And that includes me. I'm talking to myself here. Perhaps it's a good idea that maybe truth comes from outside of one of us. That there's this truth out there that is neutral of our opinions, neutral of our feelings, that would be a truth. 
So I want to make a statement here in just a second. Listen, I don't believe that truth is relative. I don't believe truth is based on what you feel. I believe that truth is outside of you, it's outside of me, it's outside of any one of us. And when Pilate asks that question, when Pilate says, what is truth? Here's a statement I want to make for you. What is truth? I would say that truth is not a what, truth is a who. Truth is not a what, it's not just a a philosophy. Truth is not a mindset. Truth is not an idea. Truth is not a statement. Truth is not a philosophy that someone teaches you in school. I would say truth is not a what. Truth is a who. It is a person. Truth is a person. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Listen, you want to know what truth is? Jesus is truth. Jesus is truth. When Jesus is up there and he's talking to Pilate, Jesus, he can say, I I, I testify of the truth and I teach the truth because Jesus himself is that truth. He has all authority. There's nothing in him that is false. There's nothing in him that is misleading or, or fake or uncertain. There's no fake news in Jesus. He is truth. Each of us, yes, we're capable of knowing the truth. But none of us can actually claim to be the truth, right? Because we're finite. We have our 70, 80, 90 years on this life, and that's that's all we have. We're finite. There's too many things in this life that we don't know. There's too many things that we've gotten wrong in our own lives for us to actually claim to be the truth or to be the source of truth. And so this is where Jesus says, listen, I am the way, I am the truth. That when Jesus claims to be the truth, he's claiming to be God. And it's spelled out for us in John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, Jesus says, uh, uh, God says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was with God in the very beginning. How many of us have been been with God since the beginning? Uh, I think it goes beyond 1982 when I was born. 19... Hundred when Dan Fitzgerald was born, whatever it happens to be. It says he was with God in, he was in the beginning with God. And verse 14, John chapter 1, it says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory as of the only son from the father. And that this word, this truth is Jesus. What is he? It says he is full of grace and truth. That Jesus is full of grace and truth. In fact, ask that question. Why do people reject the idea that Jesus is the truth? Why do they reject the idea that Jesus is the truth? It's not because of how he lived. It's not because of how... In fact, if you look at the life of Jesus, listen, even the haters, even the people that hate Christianity, when you look at the life of Jesus, man, you, you can't help but acknowledge something was different about the way that he lived. Whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian or a hater, there's something different about the way that Jesus lived. Jesus was full of love. You look at his life, he's generous to all people. He's, He's compassionate. Jesus cared for the poor. Jesus embraced the people that others rejected. Jesus was brilliant. He was wise. Man, you look at his life and you're like, man, there's something special about the way that Jesus lived. But the problem is, the 
problem with his life was when you look at us as Christians, we're his followers. We're supposed to look like him. And our lives so rarely compare to what Jesus lived. So often we are embarrassingly, embarrassingly hypocritical. Just be honest, we're horribly judgmental. And that is a reputation that us as Christians have. And when you compare our lives with the life of Jesus, that we're so often, we don't get it right, people begin to reject the truth because we as a church, we as Christians, we seem all about truth and little grace, if any grace at all. And so our mantra in our society, what we're known by, is we're known by saying things like, well, you know, if you don't believe the way that I believe, you're wrong. We say things like, if you don't look the way that I look, you don't do things the way I do them, you're wrong. If you don't live the way that I do, well, you're going to go to hell. And see, this is truth without grace. This is us being truth, having the truth without grace. And so often, what that leads to, at least legalism. How many of us have seen legalism in the church? Yep, a little bit. That makes us horribly judgmental. How many of you have seen some judgmental attitudes in the church? Yeah. And it turns people away from the truth. Because they look at the way that Jesus lived and they're like, man, this is so powerful. And they look at our lives. And I'm not meaning to step on your toes, but I know my toes are stepped when I look at this. On the flip side, again, you've got the mindset of our world today. This mindset of relativism and subjectivism. Where these people are all grace and no truth. All grace and no truth. Do whatever makes you feel happy. Man, that's grace without any truth. Well, as, as long as you're sincere, it doesn't matter what you do. Again, there's grace without any truth. Just, just be true to yourself. Man, there's grace but no truth. And this is where as a society we become tolerant of everything and we stand for nothing because our society is all about grace and not about truth. And this is why I point this out. This is why I want you to see that Jesus is full of grace and truth. Jesus is full of truth and grace. That these two things, they go hand in hand together. Truth and grace. In fact, I would say, you know what our society longs for? I think our society longs for both of these things, for grace and truth. For Christians that would stand for the truth, but extend grace to the people around us. I think that's what our society longs for. Our society would be transformed if we understood the way that Jesus lived and how that plays out into our life. So here's, here's a question that we have to wrestle with. As Christians, as people who claim to follow Christ, is as we pursue the good life, as we think about the decisions we need to make to get more of the good life this year, will you choose God's truth over your own opinions? And really, I think it comes down to this being a royalty issue. I've talked about this idea of a royalty issue for a couple of weeks now. Where we like to be our own gods. We like to be on the throne. We like to be in charge. We like to be the one who, who dictates what we do in life. We want to dictate what's good and what's right and what's true and what's okay. And so we like to be on the throne. We like to be in charge and say, no one's going to kick me off the throne. No one's going to tell me what to do. 
Now, this is where, man, I just, I got to say, do we see our sinful hearts? Do we see that we have an enemy named Satan who has caused us to exchange the truth of God for a lie? That there is an absolute truth. There is a truth that is not relative. There's a truth that comes from outside of ourselves. And that truth is found in a person and is not one of us. That truth is found in Jesus alone. And the question is, are we humble enough? Are we humble enough to take ourselves out of the driver's seat and to let God step in? Are we, are you humble enough to recognize that perhaps our enemy is real? And perhaps our enemy has gotten us to exchange the truth for a lie. Are we humble enough to submit our opinions over to Jesus and choose God's truth over our opinions? It means that we take our opinions and our thoughts and our ideas and what feels right. Are we humble enough to allow God to overrule them? Look at it like this. Think about anger, right? My heart says... And if you wrong me, if you wrong me, man, I have every reason to hate you. I have every reason to retaliate against you. And I will hold it against you as long as I can. That's what my heart says, and that's what feels right. But Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Are you going to choose God's truth over your opinion? Well, sex. The opinion of our culture is you can sleep with whoever you want. You can do whatever you want. I mean, everybody else does it, right? That's what our culture says. Everybody else does it. Well, Jesus says, sex belongs in the confines of marriage. Are we going to choose our opinions and what our culture tells us? Or are we going to choose the truth of God? Wealth, right? We all want it. We all want more. We have a society, society that says, you need more and more and more. And I want to get as much as I can. More is better, so I do whatever I can to get more, more, more. But Jesus says, do not lay up treasures on the earth, but seek treasures up in heaven. Are you going to choose your opinion or God's truth? That if you and I, we want the good life, We have to be people who choose God's truth over our opinions. We have to choose God's truth over our opinions. Now the question then becomes, well, how do I, how do I know the truth? I mean, if there's this truth out there, if there's this truth that is absolute, that is beyond any of us, that's not just somebody telling me how to live. If there's this truth, how do I find it? How do I know the truth? Let me clear. I'm not asking you to follow me. I'm not, ask, I'm not asking you to follow what our church teaches. I'm not asking you to follow any, any specific set of doctrines. Here's what I'm asking you to do. John 17. John 17, 17 says, your word is truth. You want to know the truth? You want to know who Jesus is? You want to know who the truth is? It's not by listening to me or following my podcast. It's by opening up the word of God. 
and learning about Jesus for yourself. I'll be honest, I know sometimes the Bible is like, well, I don't understand the Bible. It seems so big and foreign to me. Listen, the Bible is unlike any other book that has ever written in the history. The, the writings of the book, were, the writings of the Bible were written over, over centuries of time. The Bible is written in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. The Bible consists of all these different types of, of, of writing. You've got narrative writing, and you've got poetry and prophesy, uh, prophecy. You've got legal and argumentative texts. The Bible is written over by over 40, ki- 40 different authors. You've got kings and fishermen and farmers and tax collectors and shepherds and prisoners and servants. You've got all this going in the Bible. But the Bible has one specific message throughout the entire thing. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is continually pointing us to Jesus. It's pointing us to Jesus. Pointing us to understand our sin nature. That as hard as we try to get things right and to figure it out on our own, that we continue to drop the ball. We continue to stumble over ourselves and create all sorts of messes. And the Bible continues to point us that in the middle of our brokenness, in the middle of all the times that we mess up, hope is found in Jesus. That God chose, that God chose to become one of us, to be full of grace and truth. That God chose his son, Jesus, who went to the cross in our place to pay the penalty for our sin. So that we could be made new. So that we could know the truth. So you want to know the truth? Man, simply open up your mind. And open up the word of God. And allow God to begin to speak to you as to what the truth is. Listen, if you're like, why? I don't know how to do that. Like, I, I've never read the Bible before. I, I've tried, and I just couldn't figure it out. It was so confusing to me. Listen, here's what I would encourage you to do. Start with one of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Start reading about the life of Jesus. See that Jesus is full of grace and truth. Learn from his life. And then humbly be willing to submit your thoughts and your opinions to him. And here's here's the climax. Here's the the truth about this whole thing. Here's the promise of this. We're wrestling with, well, you know, I I struggle. I I, I have all these thoughts and feelings that I feel are good. But I I get this idea that there's this this truth out there. How How do I submit my opinions to God's truth? There's a promise that comes from Jesus. John 8, 32, Jesus says, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Those things that we selfishly long for, peace, safety, love, contentment. I think that Jesus just said, when you know the truth, the truth sets you free to experience those things. That we are free from living for the things of this world. That we would be free from feeling the pain that we try and, and, and uh, uh, try and pacify through so many things in this world. That we can be free to have a relationship with 
told Jake this week, I said, this is a little different message for us. But it is so good for us to hear. But there is a truth out there. The truth will set you free. The truth is not a what. It's not based on how you feel. The truth is found in Jesus. And if we will pursue that, it will set us free. Let's pray.